0: Due to the graphic nature of this urban legend, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes graphic depictions of animal abuse and self-mutilation, as well as references to sexual assault. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. There's nothing quite as beautiful as perfect hair. The texture, the color, the height especially the height. But once you've got it there, how do you keep it? Marie Antoinette used to sleep on a wooden block to preserve her dramatic coiffure. If the last queen of France could endure that before losing her head, you could certainly leave your rock-hard beehive up a day or two. There's nothing unsafe about that. But then you feel it on your scalp. Small itches then scratches. Maybe you lost a comb in there somewhere. But then, the itches seem to move, to travel, to walk. You yank at the steely-slick surface that used to be your hair. You go for the scissors, but you collapse before you get there. The impact is enough to crack the beehive shell. A rat runs out, its tiny paws traveling across your forehead, down your nose, skittering over your screaming mouth. Then another emerges, and another vermin who've been living in your hair. Welcome to Haunted Places, a podcast Original. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, we take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted real places on Earth and share their stories. This episode is part of our Urban Legends Halloween special. Every day for the month of October, we're presenting our spooky spin on an urban legend, then diving into the history of the horror. Like it or not, each terrifying tale contains a grain of truth. You can find episodes of Haunted Places and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Haunted Places for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. Today, we examine one of the strangest urban legends we'll explore this month. The fatal hairdo is a cautionary tale with a very basic warning and much darker premise. But it all begins with a simple suggestion. The rules of hair care are simple and finite. The most important creatures shouldn't be living in it. The Fatal Hairdo dates back to the Middle Ages, but the version that appears in American folklore dates to the 1950s, when hair and hopes for the future were high. It's a story based on a group of primal fears. We don't like things near our heads. We don't like rats. We don't like spiders especially when they're crawling on us while we sleep. People had called Lucy vain for as long as she could remember. Her father had some choice words about how she spent too much time on her looks and not enough on school. Her mother was constantly pulling Lucy in for little chats, where she warned her that no one was going to marry her if she was always this fussy. She didn't understand either of their concerns. Sure, she wasn't going to be a college girl, but she didn't need to be. There were already several guys that had mentioned proposing to her at one point or another. While her parents assumed it had something to do with her shapely ankles and the way she filled out a sweater set, Lucy didn't agree. She put effort into her appearance because it made her feel confident. And confidence was a very attractive feature. Also, it was just fun. The one part of her beauty routine that she hadn't quite conquered was her hair. It was eternally frizzy and insufferably stubborn. The two hours she spent every morning on teasing were wasted by lunch, as she was forced to spray her hair into submission on a 20-minute bathroom break. The latest issue of Teen Magazine had proposed a solution that Lucy was itching to try. Sugar water. It would supposedly harden your hair into the perfect beehive. No hairspray required. Her lungs would thank her. That night, Lucy filled a basin with the mixture of sugar and water and then dunked her head into it. Her scalp burned, but the sensation was only slightly worse than bleaching her hair. This wasn't anything she couldn't handle. She closed her eyes blocking out their burning sensation with daydreams of the starting quarterback asking her to prom. It was going to be the perfect night, but she had to look perfect first. Lucy studied her reflection carefully as she shaped her still-moist hair into the perfect cylindrical shape. It was holding together better than anything else had, the strands transforming from soft hair. Into hard strips. As she shaped it, several strands fell to the ground. She looked down at her hands, but there was nothing in them. No stray pieces of hair. In the mirror, however, they continued to fall out. Small pieces at first, and then larger chunks. Bits of her scalp began to shine through. Lucy always brushed her hair a hundred times before bed and in the morning she knew every ridge and bump in her scalp the image staring back at her wasn't her scalp it was covered in small marks and abrasions long jagged scars wove their way around her head in spots tiny drops of dried blood made her remaining strands almost red she stepped away from the mirror telling herself she was just tired Maybe the day's hairspray had gone to her head. But she could feel all her hair in place. Everything was fine. Her hair was already hardening. She tried to reach down toward the scalp. But everything was already sticking into place. She couldn't reach it to check for sure. Her reflection swam in front of her, through what looked like a cloud of steam. Lucy's scalp was burning again. She could feel the skin splitting underneath the weight of her hair. Sweat dripped down from her hairline to the base of her neck. She wiped it away, and her hand came back red. She screamed. Lucy woke up to her mother, Diana, stroking her face gently. She scrambled off the floor, her hands flying back to her neck. But the skin was dry. She asked her mother to check for blood. Diana didn't see anything. Lucy went over to her mirror. Her hairstyle was dented, like a beehive that had been kicked in by a rowdy teenager. Not the look of sophisticated elegance that she'd been going for. At least she wasn't seeing those horrifying things in the mirror anymore. Lucy was sure she was the problem, not the process itself, She sheepishly asked her mother for help. Diana washed Lucy's hair with more of the sugar water solution, forcing it to soften with the hot water before molding it into a beautiful sculpture on top Lucy's head. They wrapped a silk scarf around her head to protect the hairdo. Diana kissed her daughter on the forehead and quietly left the room. Her head started to itch again. She rubbed her fingers against the silk, but it didn't take care of the problem. The itch grew, covering all of her scalp. As she closed her eyes, the sensation got worse. Lucy climbed out of bed and went to her closet. She slipped a dress off a wire hanger. There was a pair of scissors at her vanity. She snatched them up and cut the hanger in half. She dug the hanger into the center of her hairdo, Scraping the metal against her scalp, delicate at first, applying pressure only when absolutely necessary. But the itches continued, and she got more aggressive with the hanger. She tore away at her scalp with the sharp metal end, preferring damaged skin to the maddening itch that seemed to be creeping along her entire head, always moving. She felt the fragile skin cut open, but she didn't care. Lucy needed the itching to stop. Diana spoke from the hall outside her room. She wanted to know if Lucy was okay. She could hear grunts and screams of pain all the way from the living room. Lucy stopped, examining her hair in the mirror. Her hairdo was mostly intact, but swiftly drying blood was caked around her ears. Her silk scarf had been stained, crimson. She pulled the hanger out, Some clumps of hair were clinging to it alongside a few thicker pieces that looked almost like they could be skin. Lucy called to her mother through the closed door. She was fine. Mom and Dad were already late for their party. They should go. Lucy shoved the hanger into the trash can, not wanting to look at it anymore. She was horrified by her own actions, worried that she had pulled out too much hair or damaged her scalp. She looked at her reflection again. Outside of the blood, she looked the same as she always had. But there was something on her face. Lucy switched the light by her vanity on. Teeth marks poked out along her forehead, around her headscarf. She rubbed at her skin, but it felt smooth. No indentation. Then she heard something. Lucy turned. In the dim light of the room, she couldn't figure out where the noises had come from. It happened again, and she caught something moving from across the room, skulking through the darkness. It turned to look at her. Lucy didn't stop to think. She grabbed the hanger out of the trash can and charged, chasing the small rat around the room. It raced away from her, but she was determined. She placed the hanger down on the floor. Drawn by the sweet scent of the sugar, the rat came closer. Lucy picked up the hanger and slammed it into the small body, puncturing its neck the same way she punctured her scalp. Small spurts of blood escaped, but she didn't stop. She held the tiny body in her hands and pulled the hanger out. Then she stabbed it again over and over, until the carcass was littered with holes, and the rat was well and truly dead. Only then did she finally breathe, seeing the absurdity of the situation, the things she did for style. She laid down, and her reeling emotions slowly carried her to sleep, finally muffling the maddening scratching that crept across her head coming up Lucy makes one more sacrifice for beauty this episode is brought to you by anytime fitness forget dark alleys and cemeteries for some the gym is the scariest place of all but it doesn't have to be With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. Lucy would do almost anything to keep her confidence high. That meant a strict beauty routine, but she'd been struggling to get her hair to hold its beehive shape, no matter how much hairspray she used. So she'd washed her hair with sugar water to form it into the perfect hardened cylinder. Lucy was used to discomfort during her beauty routine, but this was another level. Her scalp burned and she was stuck with an ever-present itching on her head that could only be solved with the help of tremendous pressure and a wire hanger. She'd drawn blood, but she'd finally found relief and sank into a deep sleep. In her dream, it was prom. Her hair was in a perfect beehive. But her dress, simply unfashionable. No puffy skirt or ankle-length hem— just a slash of blood-soaked fabric clinging to her body. The quarterback, Leo, told her she looked pretty. Then he stabbed a corsage straight into her skin. She wiped away stray drops of blood on her gown. The fabric absorbed it hungrily. She swore she could hear it gnawing. They danced under blue lights. Dream Leo leaned in closer and closer, He bit her neck, and she pushed him away. She could feel his teeth marks in her skin. He told her to lighten up. Lucy sulked in a corner, swaying to the music on her own. Leo apologized, offering her a glass of punch. It tasted sugary and metallic. She looked down and saw the blood from her neck wound dripping into her glass. She threw it on the ground staining the blonde wood floors. Dream Leo laughed. He pulled her close and placed a kiss on her forehead. She inhaled the clean scent of him and slowly began to calm down. Then, a sharp sensation hit her hairline. He bit her again. He pulled his mouth away. A flap of her skin stuck between his teeth. Lucy's stomach clenched tightly. She tried to hold back the vomit. Leo moved closer to her, asking for another kiss. She stepped back. He followed, his teeth connecting with her temple, piercing her scalp and scraping the bone. Lucy pushed him off her again. Leo's eyes shrunk, becoming beady little specks. She looked down to find herself holding the metal hanger again. He taunted her saying she wasn't going to do anything. She needed him too much. Without her looks, she was nothing. Lucy rammed the hanger into his throat. He coughed and gurgled, his hands clutching the piece of metal. She watched as his neck spasmed, trying to breathe around the area that was still gushing blood. She supposed she should have been upset. But in this moment... She felt a strange thrill of satisfaction. His eyes hardened into pellets. Dream Leo charged forwards, and she felt the metal clawing into her skin. She woke up. There was a rat on her, its little talons tearing the skin of her arm as it climbed. She tried to shake it off. It held tightly squeaking loudly. She placed her free hand over the rat and squeezed. She felt its body snap and its muscles went lax. Overwhelmed, she tried to close her eyes for a moment. In the haze of her half-asleep state, she realized there wasn't a skittering of her thoughts, but an actual skittering around her head. Her hands flew to her hair, but it hadn't budged. But she could feel little feet walking on her scalp. More than one pair. She leaped out of the bed and went to her mirror. She turned her lamp towards her hair. The beam quivered in her shaking hand, revealing strange shapes, round curves, and long tails and sharp teeth. Rats hunched over with strangely humanoid, tiny hands. Inside her hair. Lucy tried to yank a piece of her hair out, but it wouldn't budge. She pulled harder. Several strands fell away, but it only revealed a tiny slit in the cylinder. She caught a glittering black eye in the gap and nearly threw up. The rats were eating her hair. She screamed and grabbed the fabric scissors off her desk. She cried as she cut it. Whatever was inside was still working on other strands, pulling them tightly before chomping down on them. The scissors weren't fast or large enough. She cut small sections and then used her hands to pull out more. Bigger and bigger chunks fell to the floor of her bedroom. Lucy kept cutting and pulling. The pain was excruciating. Large bald patches replaced her glossy blonde hair, but she couldn't stop. She could see them moving around now, even without the help of the light. She jabbed the scissors at one of them. It bit her finger in retaliation. Another one crawled down the back of her head. She brought the scissors down again and again, nicking her own skull. The rat crawled back up the top of her head, like it was taunting her. She stabbed for it again. The scissors went through her own skin, getting stuck. Her arms started to slow. Everything got hazy. Lucy yanked it out. Her hands flailed, still trying to hit the rats off her head. The gloating rat had crawled back down to the base of her skull... It was digging its talons into her, breaking the skin. She grabbed at it, but she felt like she was moving in water. The rat bit into the soft spot just underneath her skull. She screamed. It kept biting. She felt a puncture and heard a snap. And then she couldn't move. She collapsed. The world was a red swirl. Everything wobbling unnaturally. She tried to twitch a finger, move her foot. Nothing. Several rats crept from her closet toward her position on the floor. She tried to scream, but her vocal cords wouldn't move. The bites were small at first, exploring, finding soft spots. Lucy managed to get a whimper out but it only seemed to excite the rats who moved faster and closer cascading over each other to look in her frozen, horrified eyes as they began to tear holes in her cheeks and nose. She lost vision as another decided the raw, wet flesh of her eyeball seemed a good place to start. Her breath hitched in her collapsing chest her limbs hanging limply chum for tiny, razor-sharp teeth. As darkness covered her vision completely, she hoped she was passing out. That whatever happened next, her ordeal was over. But the darkness seemed to swim in front of her. Not swim. Squirm. She was awake. She was conscious. A sea of ripping, tearing rodents had covered her. She would be alive as they consumed her. Motionless. Helpless. Until the very last bite. Folklorist Jan Harald Brunvand suggests that vermin... become more frightening to many Americans than the supernatural elements of past legends. They are more realistic than ghosts and goblins, and far more common than the slashers we see in other urban legends. One of the most striking elements of the fatal hairdo is that the kind of vermin in the girl's hair doesn't actually matter. The original version involves a woman who leaves her hairdo up for so long a black widow spider makes a nest in it. The spiders eventually hatch and bite the girl to death. This insects and elaborate hair trope dates all the way back to medieval morality tales, where vain ladies of the court were described as being cursed by the devil in the form of a spider that could not be removed once it sat on her head. Medieval Europe and mid-century America have more in common than high-volume hairdos. Both eras were fighting a massive culture war over the nature of both femininity and vanity. While 1950s America had towering beehives, medieval women would curl their hair into braided buns in a style called the ram's horn. Both these hairdos were serious shows of status and confidence within spaces that hadn't included women previously, The outlandish style suggested that fashion could be for the women's enjoyment themselves, rather than the pleasure of their husband, king, or church, in the case of the medieval era. This rebellion is punished by the devil in medieval stories, but in The Fatal Hairdo, it is nature itself that punishes the vain woman for choosing style over substance because she's not keeping her hair clean. The switch from spiders in the hairdo to rats in the hairdo appears to be mostly regional, as rats can weather colder climates better than spiders. Jan Harald Brunvand points out that many of the oral versions of the fatal hairdo are told with far less credulity than even its companion story, the spider bite, which we'll explore later this month. This is likely a result of the beehive falling out of style, but it's notable that the story has such staying power, despite its scientifically spurious foundations. Both stories depend on memorable visuals, and the fatal hairdo is a story about the consequences of being too big and too strange. The pursuit of a bold and fashionable look ultimately leads our protagonist to demise punishing her for her all-consuming vanity. So when you're trying to look good for a night out, be sure to check the label on any products you're using. If it makes your hair tasty to a rodent or an insect, you might want to refrain. For as this legend warns us, you must never be so obsessed with your looks that you neglect your own safety. Because sometimes, looks can kill. Thanks again for tuning into Haunted Places. We'll be back tomorrow with a new urban legend, and on Thursday with a new Haunted Place. You can find more episodes of Haunted Places and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music... But now, Spotify's making it easy for you to enjoy all your favorite ParCast originals, like Haunted Places, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Haunted Places on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast, and Twitter at Parcast Network. Until tomorrow, don't believe some of the things you hear. Believe. All of them. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, with sound design by Kenny Hobbs. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Haunted Places was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Richet. I'm Greg Paulson.